Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Capital Yarns, the podcast, February 2017 edition, and it's a special Valentine's Day story for all those star-crossed lovers out there. And an extra special one this week, because this was f- recorded live in front of a uh, audience at the Old Parliament House Gardens as part of a reading I did for Valentine's Day uh, with friends of Old Parliament House Gardens, and I'm really grateful to them for inviting me along. Um, big thank you particularly to the, the MC on the night, Genevieve Jacobs from Triple Six ABC Canberra and um, Elnor Grasby, president of the Friends. The story uh, includes a little bit of audience participation and so listen out for the three items that were requested uh, by Duke of Newbury for this story. For those new to the Capital Yarns idea, essentially people give me three items which uh, I agree to weave into a short story for them set in Canberra. And the three items that Duke of Newbury requested for this story was a pet turtle, cryptography, a punnet of blueberries with a side of fries. Uh, and you'll see that the story ends with a uh, a little quirk, a little twist, and you might like to visit my website to have a go seeing if you can uh, solve the riddle that the story finishes with or perhaps uh, find out the answer there as well. Hope you enjoy it. It's called Decoding the Opposite Sex. Beautiful blush blueberries here. Two dollars, two dollars a kilo for blueberries. Bananas, apples, cherries, plums. We've got it all. But blueberries on sale, only two dollars a pot of choppers. Come check out these beautiful, ripe, delicious blueberries. We met over a punnet of blueberries. (laughs) Sounds romantic, yeah? Not really. More embarrassing, actually. I reached for them. She reached for them. We both pulled and pop. The punnet opened and blueberries... Thank you. ...tumbled out all over the concrete floor below. I was doing my weekly shop at the Fishwick Markets. Fishwick is a fair drive from my apartment in Tuggeranong, as long as the drive can be in Canberra at any rate. Still, I used to pop in most Saturday mornings. I liked the vibe. There was usually some live music playing, lots of people milling about, and a good selection of new foods to taste and coffee establishments to frequent. I didn't usually buy blueberries and was actually on my way to one of the fish shops, but my eye was first drawn to some tasty-looking bananas, which I duly collected, and then to the massive sale sign over the blueberry stand. (laughs) There's only a couple more blueberries to go. Stay with me. Half price, it said. Hard to resist. So was she. Once our eyes met, I struggled to look away. I should really have been picking up the blueberries. It took me a moment to realise that's what she was doing. But God, those eyes, richly blue, they drew me in. They were like deep whirlpools. Once I started swimming near them, I was pulled down, never to return to the surface of conscious thought again. What can I say? I love a cliché. As she knelt down, laughing and offering apologies, my eyes found something else to be drawn to. Oh, I could see straight down her T-shirt. I was able to tear my eyes away just in time as she looked up at me. She pulled her blonde hair away from her face as I knelt down too and smiled. Sorry about that, she offered. I grinned back. My fault too. I guess we both love our blueberries. She laughed at that. Gosh, it good, make, felt good to make her laugh. We painstakingly collected every one of those blueberries and returned them to the punnet. I'm proud to say not one was squashed in the exercise. Although a few little slippery berries tried to escape and needed a few extra fumbling attempts to be caught by my fat fingers. No casualties, I says as the last one returned to the punnet. Sorry? 
she asked, looking confused. I, I, I mean, we seem to have saved every blueberry, I replied. Standing once more and trying to regain some semblance of composure, the slight head rush from all the bobbing up and down didn't help. Oh, she said, smiling again. Well, that remains to be seen. What do we do with them now? I stared down at the punnet in her hand. Good question. A serious first world ethical and moral dilemma, in point of fact. What does one do in such a situation? Return the punnet to the pile and risk some poor sucker eating a dirty, unwashed blueberry? Oh. I looked down at the concrete floor below. The Fishwick markets are essentially an outdoor affair, consisting of a series of small buildings arranged in a U-shape with a car park in the middle. The thin footpath which snakes around the shops is made all the narrower by the stands of fruit, nuts and other wares which the grocers wheel out every day. While the footpath is under the canopy of a metal roof, it's exposed to the elements and whatever happens to be at the bottom of a thousand shoppers' shoes that were frequenting the markets that day. But the only other option, surely, was to notify a nearby grocer a man nearby was calling out specials in that near incomprehensible style of fruit mongers, and risk being asked to pay, or worse, suffering some hideous public dressing down about the ills of fruit abuse. But she had a solution. I've nearly finished my shopping. Why don't we take it to the counter together and go halves? Good solution, I thought. Fine solution. Ethical and moral dilemma solved. And I have five more minutes to speak to this lovely creature. I nodded quickly, but hopefully not too enthusiastically. Great idea, I said. Do you want to do any more shopping here, she asked. I shook my head. No, nah, I'm done. She looked down at the three bananas in my basket. Not a big shop today, then, she asked, a mischievous gleam in her eye. I looked down at the poultry bananas. No, not today, I offered, smiling. Just came here for my weekly bananas. We walked to the register and lined up. I'm Jess, she offered, holding out her hand. Jim, I said in response, returning her shake. The line was long, something I was delighted to find. Even better, the young man serving appeared to be achingly slow at the task of scanning and packing. Usually this drives me nuts, but not today. So, what brings you to the markets today, Jim? I started speaking without really thinking. I do that sometimes, particularly around women. You know, the usual fruit, vegetables. I actually quite like the music here sometimes. She nodded and I continued blabbering. I think Annie and the Armadillos are playing today. I quite like them. I don't quite like them. I'm not quite sure why I said that. I nearly didn't come because they were playing. It wasn't the music, it's just I had this ex-girlfriend who loved them and hearing them tended to bring back bitter memories. Ah, oh, she replied, I know them. They sort of do a jazzy bluesy thing, yeah? I nodded. Yeah, that's them. I think they're on shortly on the Delhi Planet stage. I said the last bit in a dramatic tone. She got the joke and laughed. And what about you, I asked. Your desperation for blueberries. Was your main reason for shopping today? Actually, I came here to buy a pet turtle. Oh. A pet turtle? Oh. It wasn't the answer I was expecting. Yeah, I live in an apartment and I've always wanted a pet, but dogs and cats are out. I did some Googling and I think turtle might be the thing. I just live up the road in Kingston. I nodded. Cool. So what do you do, Jim? So, like I said, sometimes I say things without really thinking around women. Had I thought about this answer in advance, I wouldn't have said it. To this day, I still don't know why I said it then. I'm a cryptographer. Oh. Cryptographer? Oh. My self-conscious screamed, you're not a cryptographer, what the hell? Where did that come from? I searched my databanks. 
It was probably the show on SBS I'd been watching the night before on World War II and spies and coding and stuff. I'd even surfed some websites on the subject afterwards. Jess raised her eyebrow at that. She was confused, or worse, sceptical. Do you know what cryptographers do? I asked. She nodded. Encoding and decoding secret stuff, yeah, she replied, her eyebrows still raised. Yeah, something like that, I said, sounding as authoritative as I could. We reached the front of the line and she paid for the blueberries. I slipped her some coins. I think that's the last blueberry reference you'll be pleased to know. I paid for my bananas and we walked out of the store together. So, she began. Damn, I thought, this is the end of the line. We're done. No more talking. It's now or never. Did you want to grab a coffee or something? Maybe listen to any of the armadillos? I sputtered out, cutting off whatever she was going to say. She smiled and turned her head slightly to meet my eyes. Sure, she said. That sounds nice. The rest of the day is a bit of a blur. We drank coffee. We talked. We browsed the shops together. We talked. We went to the pet store for turtles. They were sold out. We talked. We had lunch at the markets. We talked. In short, we spent hours at the markets just talking. We ate and drank, but hardly bought anything else. I made a royal wanker of myself and Plonk talking through my love of fine ales. She seemed to find it endearing. I don't know if she had plans for the day before that planet of blueberries. In the middle of the afternoon, when I realised the time, I had to secretly text some friends to cancel a game they'd organised later the afternoon. They still haven't really forgiven me for that. Then we went back to my place. I cooked dinner. At some point around 8 o'clock, we finally stopped talking and went to bed. At no point do we exchange numbers or talk more about what we did at work. I don't know why. It seemed we talked about everything else. Anyway, when I woke up in the morning, she was gone. I nearly would have thought the whole thing was a dream if it wasn't for the business card she left behind. She had scratched out all the contact information apart from her name, organisation and title. And her workplace wasn't the sort of place you just called and started asking you for random people you hardly knew. And she was definitely sending a message by deleting her numbers and email. So I never saw her or spoke to her again. Oh. <laughs> You're getting a knack for that. I thought about going back to the markets on a Saturday morning around the same time, maybe hang around the blueberry stand and see if she reappears. We had some fun, but that was never going to be more to it than that. I'd lied, and she knew it. She saw through me. She must have. Why else scratch out her details and set me that challenge? A challenge I have never managed to solve. I pick it up every now and then to try and work it out, but that was years ago. Even if I did work it out now, she's probably married with kids, sitting somewhere, eating blueberries, with a hunky husband and cute children. They probably have a pet turtle. The only thing left legible on the front of a business card was Jess Brown, Australian Security and Intelligence Organisation, Senior Cryptographer. I should have known, in Canberra of all cities, a single girl shopping at the Fishwick Markets living in Kingston, there was always a good chance she was going to be a spy. If only I just told her the truth. Now that's almost the end of the story, but on the back of the business card, Jess did leave a message or an invitation. And it's a challenge that you can take if you'd like to. The girls have the message in their hands now that Jess left for Jim that day. And if you like, you can try and decode it yourselves when you get home to find out what she might have said. Bearing in mind that the final item requested was a side of fries, or you can go to my website and, or you can go to my website and find the solution. Thanks very much.
So that was the special Valentine's Day story recorded live at the Old Parliament House Gardens, the same place where I, uh, of course, uh, launched the book Capital Yarns, a compilation of the stories, which you can still get at a range of retailers around Canberra, and uh, that story you heard is in the in the book. It's at uh, Muse uh, in Kingston, the uh, ACT Visitors Centre at Brigada Point, Harry Hartog in Woden, uh, and the National Library Bookshop as well. Thanks to Hashimoto for supplying the theme, as always, for the theme music for Capital Yarns. And I wanted to also, uh, before I go, just let you know about another little exciting project I've got on the go, which I'd love to get your assistance with. It sort of extended the um, collaborative nature of Capital Yarns. I've got a draft novel. It's nearly completed uh, and consistent with the fantastic reader participation I've had so far with the Capital Yarns concept. I'm looking for people to give me a hand to finish it off, whether that's feedback on the plot, the character development, or maybe you're a pedant for grammar and spelling. Uh, I'd really love to hear from you. If you go along to my website, you'll see there's a section called Novel Feedback. If you're willing to contribute even a small amount of your time or perhaps your book club's time, even better, to giving me feedback on the story in draft form, I'd really appreciate it. And there's uh, some information there and a way you can let me know if you'd like to help out. But otherwise, thanks for listening. As always, feel free to give me three items and request your own short story set in Canberra. But I'll see you next time. 